As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Weekend Preview on the Athletic Football Podcast, sponsored by Bet365. I'm Dan Bardell, reunited with my usual co-host George Ellick and alongside the ever-present and reliable Steve Freeth from Bet365. Today we'll preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action, including Leeds, Arsenal and a huge game between London rivals Spurs and West Ham. We'll also turn our attention to the FA Cup action before the show is out. George, you're back. How was the stag? Yeah, it's Thursday morning now and I've just about recovered. So, um, yeah, you know, it's been a good stag. But then it didn't help going to Cheltenham on on the Tuesday. Probably not what the doctor ordered, literally. Um, But it was good fun anyway. And Steve is in Cheltenham in a travel lodge, I believe. Steve, you okay? (laughs) Living the dream, Daniel. Living the dream. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, great fun so far. Looking forward to the third day. Hopefully the the weather will be better. We're recording this on Thursday morning. So, yeah, hoping for uh, a good day of sport. Yeah, I'm hoping for some better tips from you moving forward after yesterday's tip. It was a non-runner, Dan. Uh, you got your money back. I've got to be honest, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I just saw that I got, I, got, I got my money back and that your tip did, didn't come off was basically how I read it. I haven't got a clue what's going on some with Some people see any return as a winner, Dan. So getting your money back, put it down <laughs> yeah, in, the, in, in the win column. Well... It's the best return I've had so far on the, on, on the bits I have had on the horse races. But we're not here to talk about Cheltenham. We are here to talk about the football. But before we get into the first game of the weekend, remember you can sign up to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months simply by visiting theathletic.com slash football pod. Game one, Friday Night Lights, Wolves v Leeds. Steve, late drama for Leeds against Norwich last week. You like the new guy, don't you? You like Jesse Marsh. You've got a lot of time for him early doors. Yeah, just you know, speaking to people who have worked in and around him and interviewed him. You know, I talked previously on on this part about how he's a little bit different from a man manager point of view, how he interacts with the players, and we've kind of already read about it in the Athletic as well with the leadership council as well that he's that he's set up. You know, the story that I, I was told about him being in the in a wheel of misfortune at one of his previous clubs and going out and buying three hundred euros worth of shampoo for the dressing room and stuff like that, a bit of camaraderie and I felt for him really when that equaliser went in, they could have buckled, um, but it was a huge, huge win for them. You know, they're out to 
They're out to seven to four now, Dan, um, for the relegation markets. Obviously, we're talking about this before the uh, the Everton game this evening as well. As a neutral, I do like Leeds, and I hope this new guy, uh, Jesse Marsh, works out and, and everything goes all right to Ellen Road and they do stay up this season. Yeah, we'll come on to Patrick Bamford, George, one of your old AFL favourites, I'm sure. But Joe Galthart came on straight after Norwich scored, really. Kind of, I feel like he's gone under the radar a little bit, but that's a that's a great piece of management. You know, you've just been pegged back to 1-1 in, in stoppage time, but you make a positive change and you, you manage to win the game off the back of that substitution. That, that's a great bit of management. Yeah, it is. And, you know, Galhard probably won't score many easier goals um, in his career, but he probably won't also score many more important goals. Um, you know, Rafinha made it with a good bit of skill getting down uh, to, the, to the byline and getting his head up and seeing Galhard in there. And I think that's the crucial thing, both for Galhard and his personal development, but also for Leeds, is that, you know, beating or squeezing past Norwich at home um, should be the bare minimum, really, for um, for a team of Leeds' calibre. But And also in the game itself, they deserve to win it before it got to that point of being level um, with just a couple of minutes to go. But that, you know, those were the most jubilant scenes we've seen at a Premier League ground this season so far. You know, it felt, it felt like a, a massive shift in terms of Leeds' season and their trajectory, you know, their downward trajectory towards the championship. And, and for a manager in Jesse Marsh, who has come into a club where even when the previous manager was under underachieving, he still had a, a godlike status at the club. To to get that kind of a reaction, to get the Ellen Road fans so jubilant, um, should be a bit of a you know a watershed moment in terms of, of where they are now. So you know for Galhard himself, that will be the moment where he really burst onto the scene. It might not have been quite as spectacular as the player that he's often compared to and, and when Rooney burst onto the scene against Arsenal, but in terms of significance and having that feeling of being the hero, of scoring a goal that could change the course of his club's um, both short-term and long-term future will be massive. And it feels like the whole club has been galvanised off the back of that. So... You know, when you step back and you look at how the game actually went, um, I think if, if they had joined the game one all, a lot of fingers would have been pointed at Marsh and, and effectively the poor start he'd have made in terms of pure results rather than performances. But instead, off the back of that, Leeds fans feel like their safety is back in their own hands and um, and they're back on, on the upward curve. It is the kind of result that can galvanise the season, isn't it, Steve? I think if, you know, if they'd have won anyway, it probably would have given the, the place a lift. But to win in that way, when you thought they'd just chucked it away... That is the kind of thing that could spring a run and also give a bit of momentum to them, which is what they've been lacking really over the last month or so. Yeah, you can just, you know, I was sensed that, especially after that Villa game as well against your boys, where there was a lot of hope there and, and you know, expectation. And just, it was such a, a, you know, a terrible performance. And you look at the fixtures that they've got coming up next, you know, Wolves away, um, which admittedly will be, will be tough for them. And Southampton at home as well. I'm looking down there and then they've got a couple of toughies really of course Chelsea and Manchester City as well um, they do finish okay with, with with Brighton at home you would have thought you know no puns intended they look already on the beach don't they um, at Brighton mm. and, 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 and Brentford away as well so they have got some tough games and I think at least a point from this Wolves game would be you know the bare minimum for, um, for Leeds because they have got some tough fixtures coming up What's the update on the points total for the team that's going to end up finishing 18th according to Bet365 Steve? Yeah, well, we've pitched it to over 32.5 over or under, so we are slightly favouring the under 32.5 points then. And if you look historically, I mean, last year was terrible. Uh, Albion being a part of that, you know, Fulham had 28. 
Um, they finished 18th. But previously, it's normally around the 34-point mark. Bournemouth the season before with 34. Cardiff 34 the season before that. Swansea with 33 and Hull at 34. So... That's how we pitch in it. We always used to talk about the forty-point barrier, didn't we? For the team, oh, you desperately yeah. need forty points. You know, that's that. That's a myth these days. Yes, long, long, long gone those days of forty points to stay up in the Premier League. Now, George, he was a little bit ring rusty. He missed a chance that he probably would have snapped up last season. But as he gets more games, Patrick Bamford could be a real difference if they're trying to stay up, couldn't they? Yeah, it should be. I mean, you say Mr. Chance. Yeah, it was one of the worst um, shots you're going to see, and it was a proper ring rust, as the uh, you know as the commentator said at the time. Um, it was a player who quite clearly hadn't uh, played for a while. Um, but you know, he's so important, and whilst his goal scoring record in recent times has been pretty good, he definitely offers a lot more than that. You know, he's a very clever player. Um, we saw his his impact. Um, although I hope Dean Smith isn't listening to this, um, but in, in terms of his running behind for the first goal. He was offside, but his movement um, was what created the, the, the second ball to fall uh, and the opportunity to score the goal. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's incredibly important to them. They don't really have a player who can do what he does. Um, you know, Gerhardt was the one who came on, but we didn't see much of him really. I don't think he's quite ready yet to be playing consistently, even though he will be fairly soon. Um, but I, I still think that Phillips is probably the one. Um, you know, Bamford is important, but but leads to a completely different side when Calvin Phillips is back. And his return uh, or his presence this season without Bamford, I think, would have meant that their their season was was very, very different. And then you add Liam Cooper into the mix as well. So it's been a season wrought with injuries. Um, and, you know, if they have those key players in the Premier League next season, uh, I think we'll, we'll see that there'll be a very, very different side even without Marcelo Bielsa there. Yeah, and Tim Spears wrote the perfect article for us this week, although not so perfect for me and Steve. How good <laughs> are Wolves, Steve? I mean, I guess they're better than me and you would like them to be. Yes, 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 definitely. They're, uh, I mean, defensively, they're great, aren't they? I mean, it helps when you have a a goalkeeper on, on the top of his game. You know, Jose Sarr this season has been absolutely brilliant, hasn't he, for them? I mean, Bruno Large, he's, he's a tactically um, astute manager, different formations, you know, and, 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 and big managers are actually changing their their formations to deal with him really and it's looking good for Wolves and they could easily beat their top seven finishes that they had a few years ago in consecutive seasons they are 6-1 to one, Dan 66-1 uh, to one, sorry to finish in the top four God I hope they don't ever get to 6-1 to one to finish in the top four <laughs> and they are they are 5-1 to one to finish in the top six but clearly um, a side going in the right direction Yeah fair play to them having a, another great season Connor Cody a massive part of that scoring last week Everton added goals to his game actually this season Connor Cody always been a reliable and great leader and defender for them but I think he's got three goals now this season's a dizzy heights for Connor Cody. What's your tip for this game, George? As I kind of alluded to at the beginning um, of the chat, I don't think we can get too carried away about Leeds's win at home to Norwich. Um, this is going to be a very difficult game for them to, to get anything from because of Wolves' strength. And you know, as Steve said, they're, they're so defensively solid and have the tools going forward. Although they do have a few injury concerns uh, coming into this one. But I, I think Wolves are a value at odds against to get the win. Um, you know, we, we consistently have seen that they are a far better, more functional footballing side than Leeds. And um, and I think maybe Leeds' result and the manner of it, which, as we say, could galvanise them, has been uh, taken a little bit too much, uh, it, you know, in terms of its importance uh, coming to this one. So 23 to 20 with Bet365 Wolves are, which I think seems a, a fair price for a home win. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Game two is Aston Villa v Arsenal, which is the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Big game for Arsenal on Wednesday night. How big a dent was that defeat to their top four hopes, George? Pretty big. Um, you know, it'll be frustrating for them. Do you think? That... Is he, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is it not, I mean, it's Liverpool. Is it not, not just expected? Well, that's. I mean, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think you look at their... Uh, they are still clearly the, the most likely team to finish in the top four of those who are chasing. You know, if we take out the, the top three, who we can pretty much put in as a shoe in and that's reflected in the odds. You know, they're four to seven to finish in the top four. Spurs 11 to four, United uh, 130, uh, West Ham 20 to one. So it shows they're still there. I think it's more just a case of they played well um, and yet it's still a game in which they're beaten fairly comfortably. Um, you know, the narrative coming out of the game was that, you know, Arsenal looked more threatening in the first half. Well, I mean, they didn't really create plenty um, in the game. They looked very bright going forward. Martinelli looked to have Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, on toast. Um, uh, and then in the second half, they, they had the, the chance to open the scoring, which was gifted to them by Thiago. And, and I think we just saw their the levels, basically. You know, Arsenal do look to be a far better side. And, you know, you look at the progress from the game at Anfield to the game last night. You know, Arsenal were so much better better and but there is still a massive divide and, it, and it's not just having players who can who can finish better it's it's a, across the park where Liverpool weren't at their best and still created the two best opportunities in the game um, when it came to Alisson having to make one big save he made it when it came to Anne Ramsdale who's been fantastic this season having to make one big save um, you know he, he got a he got a hand to it and still couldn't stop it going in at the near post so I, I think it's just a sign maybe that there is still what well, it just goes to show how big the gap is and what Arsenal have to do because whilst this season's ambition is to get into the top four now Mikel Arteta's job and his ambition long term is to bridge the gap between Arsenal and Liverpool and last night was the closest they've come to it but still ended up falling pretty far short but you know, no you are right in terms of their, their top four aspirations it's it's probably a frustration for them that their that their run of wins is over. Uh, any momentum built might be might be halted. But beyond that, you know, they, they were probably only in to get. I think I think Liverpool were even money, so they're in to get a point basically, and and they didn't manage that. Yeah, complete change of tact from me today from the start of the season. But I, I was quite impressed with Arsenal last night. I think they're on the, they are actually on the on the right track. I think the one thing they're short of this season, which will be rectified in the coming years, is is having that squad depth. They looked a little bit leggy and a little bit tired last night. They've also got that lack of a, a goal scorer. I guess Lacazette's sacrificing himself for the team at the moment, playing in a certain way that I don't think really suits him. But in a week where Ronaldo and Kane have been in the goals for Spurs and United, that's where Arsenal are going to come up short if they do, isn't it? That that lack of a goal scorer. 
Yeah, I did manage to watch the game last night, Dan, and I, I was with George's opinion that I just thought that Liverpool were going to win the game. You know, you could just you could just sense it, and they don't. Arsenal don't have any go, have any players in double figures, do they, for goals at all? Of course, you look at the two benches last night, and you know Liverpool compared to Arsenal's, uh, there's, a, there's a huge difference there, and. The XG as well, you know, some of the younger kids are really outshooting their numbers by the amount of goals that they've scored and the XG says they've done really well to do that. Saka's outscoring his by a couple. Smith-Rowe's been outscoring his by five. Uh, Odegaard by two. Lacazette should be close to double figures, but he isn't. He's, he's missed a number of chances and he's only got four goals this season. So that clearly is a concern. However, yes, they did lose the game last night, but they have gone from two to five to four to seven to finish in the top four. So we still think they are in poor position. And I suppose if you'd have said that at the end of August to any Arsenal fan, they're certainly beating your hand off. And you look at their run of fixtures now coming up, and I'll keep banging on about fixtures, and I know it's your team again, Dan, but them, Palace, Brighton, Southampton, before they play Chelsea and, and, and Man United and West Ham, which you sense will be a bit of an edge to those games. So they have got more chances to get points on the board as well. So, yeah. Hence why they are odds-on favourites to finish in the top four. Yeah, not much rotation gone on at Arsenal recently. Like I say, George, they did look a little bit leggy last night. Arteta says it's now the biggest game of the season against Villa on Saturday. Maybe time for Smith-Rowe to come in and, and, and have a start, just to, just to freshen it up in some way? Yeah, possibly. Uh, I think it's important not to be too reactive. Um, you know, they came here on the back of, what was it, five consecutive wins? Um, and they... Um, as we, we just kind of all praised them in their performance against the team who are now one point off the top spot and, and are quite clearly operating and playing at a level at the moment that is the best in the Premier League. So I think it's important not to be too reactive. You know, it is it is a midweek game followed up by a Saturday game uh, or a Sunday game, isn't it? Which is, um, you know, not ideal in terms of, of keeping players fresh. So for that reason, possibly, but, you know, they, they found a pretty good win, winning formula. You've had certainly Odegaard and um, Martinelli look to be in very good form. Um, Martinelli was stupendous last night. He was, he was fantastic and, he, and he's looking like they're, you know, we've seen at, at different times this season, we've seen Odegaard, Saka and Smith-Rowe look like being Arsenal's best attacking force. And at the moment, you know, certainly on last night's evidence, it's Martinelli. He has so many different skills. He's able to, to glide past players using his pace. He's We've seen him before be a, a brilliant penalty box striker, both with his feet and with his head. Um, he's someone who looks to me needs to play as much football as possible because he's at that stage in his development where every time he, he gets on the pitch in an Arsenal shirt, he's getting better and better. So, um, you know, Smith Rowe is a, is a is a quite clearly a, a brilliant player who's going to get his his chance. But I think Arteta should continue to pick the team that he thinks is operating and performing the best in order to win the game because um, you know I think most teams would, would be pretty leggy off the back of playing against uh, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool at the moment. One thing I would say is that I think Smith Rowe's probably shown more end product this season than, than Martinelli. As Martinelli was fantastic last night, but he probably just needs to add that little bit of end product to his game. Steve, the voyeur of Villa Park, someone who has got a lot of end products in the game, is Philip Coutinho. Even though he's playing for Villa, you're enjoying watching him? You know I am. You know, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I know you text me to tell me. I'll take I'll, I'll take my anti Villa hat off just just for ten seconds just to say you know it's 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 been a pleasure to uh, to watch him again back on back on these shores and you know some of the some of the magic that he's doing I mean you thought he was shackled against West Ham a little bit didn't you Yeah I think Rice and Suchek obviously quite physical Yeah he had eighty three touches in that game which is the most by some considerable way um, clearly. There's not much end product, which was you know rare for him. You know, four goals, three assists that he's bought as well. He's already got the third highest XG at the football club. He's, he seems like he's only been there for for ten minutes. 
and the fourth uh, expected assist as well. So he's just behind uh, Ollie Watkins on that as well. So um, yeah, he's. Uh, I think it's been a great addition for Villa, and again, it seems to be another Midlands club. Unfortunately, that's going uh, that's going in the right direction. You looked to have a good time at Cheltenham on Tuesday as well. All, all the Villa yes. lads, they were there. Yeah, they, yeah, they were. Uh, they, they yeah, were a few of them there, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. day off. Yeah, glad they got it done earlier. Surprise, surprise Bardell wasn't there you know what he's like trying to jump on the bandwagon for these free things yeah. I'm surprised he, I'm surprised he hadn't been in touch with me he was probably working somewhere else though wasn't he getting the readies you know what he's like no, man, I, I was with Toro Mings on Monday night an evening with Toro Mings at Villa Park and he, he spoke very well and made me very excited for the for the future said a few things that I didn't know previously like Steven Gerrard was his hero as a kid and he was a Liverpool fan so that was that was nice to hear obviously he would have been buzzing when Steven Gerrard walked through the door but not much left to play for for Villa this season other than trying to get in the top half I guess Steve what are the odds on Villa finishing the top half yeah about 8 to 15 yeah they're 8 to 15 to do that Dan so I think that would be a you know, a solid a solid season for you of course you you know the last time you played Arsenal I think you were in the middle of a bad run as well weren't you I think Dean Smith was probably about to lose his job in the middle of five defeats uh, on the bounce, but you're bigger than two to one to win this game. I know there's a less than six to three hours recovery, isn't there, for for Arsenal as well? So there could be some some tired legs. Uh, I'll, I'll just mention my bet now. I think that um, like the first game between the two sides, where there was four goals, I think there's a good chance for uh, over two and a half goals and both teams to score, which is currently just a little bit bigger than even money. So that'll be my bet for this game. Dan, as a as a Villa fan, you know you talk there about what you know, there's not much to play for here. It's a bit further for you guys to travel to the beach than it is for Brighton, but you know you might be making the journey fairly soon. But I mean, what what are the expectations now? You know Gerard's first summer and looking ahead to next season. In this season, I'd definitely be happy with top half because we just fell short of that last season. So there'd be a little bit of progress, and it has been a disruptive season. They've had two horrific runs, and obviously had two managers as well. So I think this season finishing ninth or tenth, I'd be very happy with that. Longer term. I want to be pushing towards the top six. I don't expect to finish top six, top seven every season, but just pushing towards there and just trying to win a cup, George. I haven't won a cup since 1996. It pains me every season when we get when we get knocked out of the FA Cup early because I just, just want to win it. There's like so many generations of Villa fans that haven't seen Villa win the FA Cup because the last time was 1957. I just want to, I just want a cup, mm. I just want to win something. So that for me, pushing towards top six, seven and, and winning something. I think that's what Gerard's alluded to in past interviews as well. I think that's what what he wants and what his ambitions are. So, yeah, one of those days. I just he like knows, to say he knows a something. thing or two about winning cups as well. You know, he might yeah. know about winning a league, but he knows about winning the cup. Exactly. I mean, I don't think, yeah, I've got no great ambitions of us winning the league. So I don't, he, he, doesn't need, <laughs> he doesn't need to have that previous knowledge of, of winning the title. But, yeah, I'd like us to be winning a cup very, very soon. Game three, Spurs v West Ham. Now, Spurs are level on points with West Ham with a game in hand, Steve. It feels absolutely must win for Spurs, particularly after Arsenal dropped points on Wednesday night. In a little, well, I say they're in a group. They said to win one and then lose one Spurs. You think they've got it back and then they'll lose the next one. So still inconsistent under Conta. Yeah, they are. Of course, good result um, against against Brighton. Uh, into fifth favouritism for the top four at 11-4 to four as well. And of course, it was a, a good result. that you know Harry Kane from our charity bet point of view as well. After all the stick that you gave me, Dan, this is going to give me the most pleasure this season, I think, if Harry Kane finishes second and we get our 
each way money <laughs> at, 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 at 33 to 1. They're just a side that I just w- you know wouldn't trust totally. I mean, I don't know if you remember this game. Was it last season when Spurs were three up against yeah. West Ham and it, and it finished and it finished three all? Uh, was Jose in charge then? Was he? Um, yeah. A couple of home games he had to get more points on the board. And again, every every game we're talking about, we seem to be playing Villa. So you're you've got them at home, haven't you? At the start of April as well, and and the games look nice. Brighton, Brentford, you know, Leicester as well. So top four race isn't totally over just yet. Yeah, George. I mean. Arsenal have kind of benefited from not being in Europe this season. If Spurs don't manage to make the top four, would it be a benefit for them just missing out on Europe completely? I'm going to say yes. I have no idea. I think a few Spurs fans might might disagree with that. Um, but normally when you have teams who who don't have Europe to worry about, and, and it's something that we haven't really spoken about too much with Arsenal this season and Arsenal's improvement, it'll be very interesting to see if um, Mikel, Mikel Arteta is able to continue Arsenal's upward curve um, if they're in the Champions League or even the Europa League next season Um, Antonio Conte is someone who has won a Premier League title with a club who didn't finish in didn't play in Europe that season when he came in at Chelsea Um, they didn't have Europe to worry about and it was a massive advantage to them in that incredibly efficient and unbelievably fit Chelsea side who just were were so good at, at not at stopping teams from from getting into a rhythm and being so ruthlessly efficient themselves so and I think in a way, when you're looking for a bit of a reset, which I think is what Spurs have been have been trying to do now for about three years, and when you've got a manager of Conte's ability, especially one who probably more so than any other manager wouldn't be too averse to managing a side who are out of Europe because in the past it's helped to win a, a domestic title and probably the biggest domestic title in, in world football. Um, it maybe wouldn't be the worst thing, but at the same time, if you're not, if you finish out of Europe, you're suddenly going to have certainly Harry Kane, possibly Human Son, and other players knocking on the door saying, "Sorry, I'm I, I'm this age and I want to be playing in Europe." Well, uh, do you think they'd care if they were in the Europa League or the Conference League? Do you think do you think it would actually bother them that much? No, probably not. They want probably they not. want Champions League, I mean, don't they? I mean, I think it's possibly just a status thing as well. Um, but then at the same time, would you know, Conte could probably say to say to Harry Kane, "Look, last time this happened to me, look what happened. Mm. Stick around, and we might we might actually win something." Yeah, it was a wild January. I think Benton Kerr was was man of the match last night, and Kulusevski's he's added something nice to that to that front three. You've kind of Lucas Moore has been a good player for Spurs and had good moments for Spurs, but Kulusevski looks like he complements what Son and Kane offer a little bit more, doesn't he? Yeah, very much. He's still quite young, isn't he? Is he twenty-one as well? He's, he's a young um, boy. He, he looks to be a yeah, he looks to be a great player. Um, I think I certainly questioned whether it was a panic buy, but it's it, um, he has been very eye-catching indeed. You know, he's bought goals, he's bought three assists as well. Yeah, he, he seems to be having you know plenty of shots. I think he had three last night. He had two of those were on target as well, and the pair of them do look. Um, you know, fantastic additions, but it's Kulievsky that certainly caught my eye. And uh, yeah, you know, on a going day, you know, this Spurs side looks fantastic, and, he, and he's um, him particularly has, has certainly added um, to Spurs going forward. He had a great season for Juve last year. I don't know whether you've ever watched the Juve documentary on on Amazon Day, but he was he was in the goals. He's a very very productive player. I'm, I'm surprised Spurs managed to get him. I'm not sure what's gone on this season, but I think he's a fantastic signing, and he's going to continue to develop and get better. David Moyes, George, is getting the best out of Ben Rama and Fournals. They were both good against Villa at the weekend. Bowen's out. He's been in the goals most of the way through the season. They've dried up a little bit for Antonio. Well, I say a little bit, quite a lot for Antonio. It's going to be crucial to have players like Ben Rama and Fournals being productive, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. And there's no denying that they've both underperformed in their time at West Ham. Um, you know, I didn't know much about Pablo Fornals when he came in. Um, but his reputation um, was that he was one of the most promising young Spanish players around. And then Ben Rama ripped up the championship. And I would have told anyone um, that he was well set to, to be a similar force in the Premier League. And it hasn't really happened. You know, we've seen flashes. Um, but, you know, for someone who was such a consistent source of assists and goals in the championship, it, it hasn't happened enough for him. So... Um, but it, it, it's a sign, I think, of the great job that David Moyes is doing, where plenty of other clubs and plenty of other managers wouldn't have stuck with the talent that they've signed. You know, we've seen it plenty of times where even half a season's worth of, of underperformance can see you out the door pretty quickly. Whereas Moyes has, has worked with them, and, and they're both now operating at a, at a much higher level. Um, you know, Fanal's got the got the winner against Villa, Benrahma with a couple of assists, uh, and they now look to be part of, of what is a very very good side. Yeah, and how do you see this one playing out, George? Goals, I think, uh, are probably on the agenda here, mainly because Spurs, uh, although they did keep a, a rare clean sheet under Antonio Conte against Brighton uh, on Wednesday night, uh, you know, they haven't been the strongest defensively and we know that West Ham are, are pretty effective in terms of creating. So um, the same bet for a different match as, as Steve in the last. Both teams to score and over two and a half goals is 11 to 10. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Let's have a look at the FA Cup then now. For those who don't know, the fixtures this game week are Borough v Chelsea, Palace v Everton, Southampton against Manchester City and Nottingham Forest against Liverpool. Some nice little ties in there, actually. Some some interesting games to watch. I mean, first up, George, I suppose for you, Chris Wilder against Thomas Tuchel. Two managerial heavyweights coming up against each other. <laughs> the best manager in the world up against the Champions League winner. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's, 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 big. It's, a, it's a massive clash. <laughs> Um, well, you know, we've seen um, Boris sneak past uh, Manchester United at Old Trafford and then boss a game and, and, and finally get their, their result against Spurs at home. Um, the key thing, I think, to point out here, as Steve will know, is that um, Borough are a completely different side at home to, to what they are away. Their, their away record under Chris Wilder has not been anywhere near as good as what they're putting in at home. And I think part of that is because Wilder has now this... You know, he, he's he's got this he's this messiah figure basically at Borough, where he's you know the, the chosen one to lead them back to the promised land, and and that creates a, a, an atmosphere that we haven't seen at the Riverside, which I think has been a pretty um, 
negative place to play football for for under a few different managers over recent years um it is it's rocking now and the fans are, are making it into a place that's very difficult for for teams to come to and when you consider um that they're you know the, the the lack of Chelsea fans in this one um that home advantage should be should be all the stronger Steve, we've talked a lot about Chris Wilder. Well, George has spoke a lot about Chris Wilder on this podcast, but <laughs> Steve Cooper at Forest. I mentioned his agent now and then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, Steve Cooper. Brilliant. Has, uh, it was a great result for them against Q- QPR last night after uh, after going 1-0 down as well. You know, they are the form side in the in the championship o- o- over the last 10 games as well. So Steve Cooper has done fantastically well. And uh, from a quad point of view, I, I wouldn't mind Forrest uh, upsetting the apple cart this weekend as well because it, uh, it might save us a few good with Liverpool looking quite ominous in, in that position. Could an AFL team win the FA Cup, George? <laughs> your, your dream, <laughs> yes, I imagine, fe- is your dream. Feasibly, it would be good. Uh, feasibly, yes. Realistically, this year, when you've got um, bad Liverpool, draws. Chelsea, and City. Yeah, bad draws. Well, I mean, the, the only the only thing about this is, you know, I had a look at the outright market earlier, and um, there is some interest, not necessarily in in those teams, but when you've got um, the three teams all away from home up against three teams who I think are probably going to be a little bit um, underestimated. Let's say, you know, you've got a Borough side who, as I say, last time Borough played at home in the FA Cup against a Premier League side. They dominated the game against Spurs. Last time Forrest played in the FA Cup at home against the Premier League side, they dominated the game against Arsenal. You know, th- these are two sides with proper form against these kind of teams. So it's not necessarily a given that we're going to see all three of those teams go through. Because I think, you know, also Saints are a side who have some form under Hassan Hootel as well as stopping um, these teams as well. I thought Palace were interesting. You know, Palace are, are 11 to 10 to win their game at home against Everton. Everton are, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be very much with that 11 to 10 rather than against it for them to win in 90 minutes. However, you look at the, the market with 365 and Everton and Palace are the same price to win the FA Cup. doesn't make any sense to me. You know, Palace are quite clearly odds on and heavy odds on to go through this tie. And if we can get out, get one of those teams out, you're getting a, a, a third of the top two. A Palace side who drew nil-nil with, um, with Man City on Monday, um, who have some of the most exciting players, young players in English football in their side as well totally fearless um, and a manager you know we talk about Steven Gerrard knowing a thing or two about winning cups a manager who won a few FA Cups himself who, who understands the, t- the tournament and is going to prioritise it pretty heavily till the end of the season should be um, well. so you know Palace aren't a, um, an EFL side but they've certainly got a few players who uh, have played in the EFL recently and um, I think they are the, the outsider I'd probably look at um, in the FA Cup now I mean Steve is absolutely dying to talk about West Brom's 2008 <laughs> day out go on then Steve the floor is yours <laughs> No, I was I was I was just saying you talk about EFL clubs, you know, getting that that far, and it was it was two thousand and eight when Albion actually got to um, a semi final, and we were beaten one nil by by Carnu and um, for Portsmouth, and Portsmouth went on to beat Cardiff actually in the in, in the two thousand and eight final, probably one of the last uh, EFL sides to get to an actual actual final. But I mean, if you looked at the semi final that year from two thousand eight, it was Barnsley, Cardiff, Albion, and Portsmouth. Those were the four teams in the <laughs> semi-finals, and if you look at the teams over the last what four or five seasons, um, reaching the semi-final stage. Okay, last season it was Leicester, Southampton, Chelsea, and Man City. The season before that, Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester City. 
you know, you, you get the idea. Watford Wolves, Manchester City, Brighton. So it, it, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it is a struggle for the EFL sides, and clearly they are fifty to one outsiders. The pair of them, you know, with tough games as well. And I suppose there's um, there will be a lot of attention as well on on, on Middlesbrough this weekend against Chelsea as well, because of course what's been here in the press over the last few days. Yeah, I mean, we love a cup set on this show, George. I guess little Chelsea travelling to Middlesbrough game really should be behind closed doors. I guess little Chelsea going to Middlesbrough and winning, I guess that would be classed as a cup set. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. It did seem a little bit tone deaf to be to be asking for, for that to happen. You know, the the, the beauty of the of the cup. Um and Chelsea fans should know, you know, the, the beauty of, of cups generally for those who, who were at the two um, Champions League wins recently is is being present to watch those moments, those nights that um, make all the all the bad days worthwhile. And um, whether Chelsea fans are there or not, Borough fans will remember um, the game. You know, no matter what happens, because um, it's a an, an incredible uh, occasion. So you know, I, I do have some sympathy for Chelsea fans as to what they are going through. You know, they are fairly blameless in all in all of this. Um, and I, I don't necessarily agree with those who point the finger saying, you know, they reveled under Roman's um, stewardship. You know, we are, we're all football fans at the end of the day and, and those guys have supported Chelsea long before Roman Abramovich, that they'd even heard of him. Um, but at the same time, it, it's collateral damage as it is at the moment in a much bigger picture. And, um, and Barra fans certainly don't deserve to be uh, unable to watch their team live at the game. Yeah, I mean, a set of fans, Steve, that might not want to go and watch their team live at the moment is probably Everton. Do they need an FA Cup run? I mean, they've already had one, but, you know, do they need the distraction of trying to get to an FA Cup final at the moment? Would it be a nice distraction for Everton fans who've had a pretty miserable season? Yeah, I suppose we'll probably know you know that reaction down after the game um, against Newcastle, of course, which is, is actually this evening from from when we were recording. But mm. I thought it was quite, quite you know, Everton are... A really good FA Cup record as well. They've, you know, they've won it five times. They've, they've been runners-up uh, eight times, and the last time they were runners-up was 2009, where they lost two-one to Chelsea. Um, a certain Frank Lampard getting the winner. I think Everton fans, their priorities clearly staying in this Premier League at the start of the season. They were a massive old price, of course. After that draw against uh, against uh, Manchester United, they were 50 to one to be relegated. They're a hell of a lot short of that going into this game this evening. Yeah, so we'll. Uh, We'll see what happens against Newcastle, which is clearly the big game, the biggest game for them. Obviously, as you say, we're recording on Thursday, so we don't know what the score is, but if they take nothing out of that, they are in big, big mm. trouble. Just enough time for me to remind you to subscribe to The Athletic today and gain full access to all the brilliant articles as well as ad-free podcasts for £1 a month for the first six months by visiting theathletic.com slash footballpod. My thanks go to George and Steve as always and of course all of you for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Mark Chapman's going to be back on this feed on Monday. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. Have a great weekend and enjoy all the football. The Athletic.